Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. And I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 167 of the podcast. Uh, there's nothing funny about that number at all, and we're nope. not going to delay any further with that bit. Nope. We are talking in this episode about two things. Uh, Dave's new novel, uh, which is very exciting. We'll dig into the practicalities of that, and why on earth a comedy writer would want to go into the immensely unprofitable business of uh, novel publishing. <laughs> and we're also going to talk about series arcs and... I wrote a few blog posts a little while back about how your show would be funnier if you didn't have them and that you won't believe me and therefore what to do about it. Uh, so we'll dig into that in due course. But Dave, let's kick off. Tell us the title of your book, what it's about and why on earth you would go into novel writing, which must be one of the least profitable forms of writing there is. Uh, possibly, yes. It's, it's called Stand Up Barry Goldman, uh, and there's a, a comma between Stand Up and Barry Goldman, which was uh, very correctly added by my editor. Um, so it's uh, it's a, a teenage uh, coming-of-age story, I suppose, a little bit based on my teenage coming-of-age story in the late 1970s, um, and it uh, also um, kind of tells the early days, the story of the early days of alternative comedy before it was even called that and so it's set uh in leeds where i'm from but it's not me and also edinburgh uh where i'm not from um but i spend a lot of time there um and i'm sure many of you listening have as well so that's it's that's i think that's kind of summed it up really yes indeed and also uh, the protagonist is jewish and uh <laughs> yes uh, it's so, but it's not you just it, to absolutely not clarify dave cohen yeah. that this jewish character is not you I'd like to, if I may, uh, be a little bit indulgent here, if you don't mind, because uh, the, I think the, the best description of the book, uh, I got a very, very nice uh, review from uh, David Quantic. Um, and David Quantic has said that it is, and uh, I'm just getting up. I've got I mean, it here. It says, oh. powerfully funny, often moving, Dave has created the Jewish Adrian Mole of alternative <laughs> comedy. Wow. Uh, that is a, I mean, David, David Quantic is a fine, fine man of, of good standing in the mm. comedy world. And for those, those words to trip off his tongue, I yeah. mean, he's an annoyingly good writer, isn't he? So even his review is annoyingly <laughs> well written. Well, not annoying at all. I just thought, because somebody, uh, a, a few days ago, somebody said to me, how do you know, what's the, how would you describe your, your book in one sentence? And uh, I just said, oh, here you go. And, uh, you know, someone else, not only someone else doing it for me, but also being really nice about it in the process yeah yeah, yeah. So. yes and it's sort of like oh it's some kind of jewish adrian mole it's like no no it is the jewish adrian mole of alternative comedy so uh yeah so yeah. so why don't you just talk us through how this book came about you know you've you've had a a multiple varied career from stand-up alternative comedy days through gag writing uh, into the horrible history songwriting all that kind of stuff and you've i mean is this you know, is this the only mountain left to climb for Dave Cohen before he hangs up his, his pencils? Well, um, I have mentioned this before, but uh, it's worth pointing out again that uh, the, I had the initial idea in 1981. So, wow. <laughs> so it is quite a long time, uh, 40 years now since... Uh, and and um, it, it, 
I suppose I've been kind of writing it and rewriting it ever since. Uh, it, the, the, the themes that are in it are, are themes that are often in the sort of one-man shows uh, that I did um, through the years at Edinburgh and also uh, radio, radio shows that I've done. So it kind of covers those. But I think it was really only in the last sort of three or four years that I, I seriously thought of the idea of actually writing a proper novel with made-up stories and it's probably through doing uh sitcom geeks really through doing this podcast and mm. meeting so many great writers and you know kind of listening to uh, taking in by osmosis all the kind of rules and things and, and lack of rules and things and mm. um the, I, and, and actually james i, I gotta say you're probably um I've got to say, James, you're probably one of the sort of biggest influences here because uh, if, uh, if you're listening, Steady right on. Away, James's yeah. eyebrows just went about six feet into the air. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the reason I say this is because uh, you have always written about uh, stuff uh, and I have always written about me and, uh, you know, but what you write about is is funny and captures emotional truths and, and you know uh, connects with people and there's no it's, it's no different in that sense to me writing about myself and mm. and this kind of fictionalizing a story you know making a story of your life and this and i think this is a very useful lesson for you know everybody listening now because uh, as we've often said we read we read scripts we get scripts from people that say oh this this is about me and my mates and you know that hard oh, they're so funny they're all mad you know and um and you read it and the one of the first things you notice is that the the person the main character isn't that funny because they've kind of mm. given all the funny stuff to everyone else and then you also other things you notice is that well not a great deal happens because let's be honest in our real lives not a huge amount does happen really we certainly yeah. don't uh i mean if anyone lived the sort of life that michael crawford lived in real life in some mothers do have them you know then they would be you know they wouldn't be alive now yeah um, or they'd be imprisoned or sectioned or something yeah, yeah. yeah. so so yeah i think a, a, a kind of gradual you know week in week out of just thinking about i don't have to include all the 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 minutiae, the details, and and you know, it's got my, uh, it's, it's it's about me, and it's got my my parents' story around that time is in there, and it's that's all true, but the characters are just nothing like me or my parents, really. Mm. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's um, that's what I've done now. That that and that that's kind of taken me like that process. I'd say probably began about two thousand seventeen, which is okay, probably a better better time. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's also worth saying that uh, you you've enjoyed writing this and you felt that you had to write this. And in a way, what we're trying to always encourage writers to do is to write what you really feel like writing. Because also, if you're trying to be a, like write sitcoms in order to be famous or make money, <laughs> I mean, it's just like nobody cares who the writer is. And um, the odds, the odds of financial success are pretty low. The odds of any success are pretty low, and even even when you're successful, it doesn't feel like you're being successful. Um, you know, we we haven't spoken really to any sitcom writers who feel that they've made it. Even Graham Linehan is sort of mm. would admit that he got through most of his career without working out how a plot works. You know, it's like <laughs> and having to hire Andrew Ellard to sort of come and do some of the sorting out and sifting out. Yeah. Um, but we're big fans of just like, you know, we, we dispense wisdom and we'll talk about story arcs in a minute. And I've said, look, if you want to write a half hour 
densely plotted story which doesn't end satisfactorily in any way at the end of episode one do that that's fine there are downsides to that which i will point out to you but if you feel in your bones that that's what you want to do that's what you have to do then do that and i think you know you've you've decided to write this novel because you wanted to write a novel um, and actually now, now is the time to do it where you don't need permission from anyone to do it. You've actually got the experience and to do it well. You've got the contacts to make the most of it and to, to, to sell it. Why don't you just say a bit about that publishing process and what the options are now? Well, compared to 1981, but yeah. even compared to 2017. Well, yes, I mean, that's, I, had, I, I brought out my first book, uh, How to Be Averagely Successful at Comedy, uh, in 2013. And that kind of, um, that, that, that was the, the, the itch that was scratched there was, you know, I've always wanted to, to write a book. And, and, and I had always wanted to write a book. Yeah, that had always been a thing, you know, from a very young age. And, and so I wrote this book and it was kind of a, a, a kind of mixture of sort of mem- memoirs of life on the road in comedy and life as a comedy writer and a little bit of you know kind of uh how to you know this, this was before we started doing the podcast but so there were kind of you know there were sort of elements i was i was actually kind of teaching writing at that point um but that was um and that was what a lot of people do they kind of they'll write a book and they'll think oh that's it i've i've done it i've achieved the thing i always wanted to do i've written a book and it's kind of only after you've done the book and then you sort of think okay um right it's out there now now what do i do um and actually the obvious answer to that is well you if you published it yourself as i did you know you bloody go out there and publish it you know you don't just sit there and leave it which is what most people do and so over the next few years doing the kind of non-fiction and i and i brought out another comedy writing book in 2018 and i I, by that point i had learned well you know if you're going to bring out a book you don't just write the book and throw it out there and 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 go off you know what that's just a complete waste of time you know Mm. you might as well just write a diary you know you might as well just make it as a diary and not never show it to anyone (laughs) um you know and i mean i I haven't you know i I wouldn't say i've sold like an extraordinary amount of copies of of complete comedy writer but it's probably you know it's kind of getting up to like about a thousand and it is aimed at a very specific core Mm. uh group of people who then through reading the book they find sitcom geeks or they find my kind of writing and script writing courses and things. So it's kind of worked from that point of view, the book has done, has, has been worth it. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. um, I mean, I think yeah. Yeah, just to come in on that, I mean, uh, the, yeah, you do need to write that book also to kind of get that out the way as well and sort of clear the ground for the next thing. So yeah. that's worth doing. I mean, I wrote a novel called Crossword Ends in Violence uh, some time ago, that was when I had Hut 33, I think, has just been on Radio 4. I think yeah. I think that had finished. It finished against my will, at least two series too early, in my view. But that was, you know, I don't run Radio 4, so that's that. And it was a, it was a comedy. Part- <laughs> you should. <laughs> it, was com- it was a comedy based on uh, Bletchley Park during World War Two, and the book was partly to do with that and D-Day and my World War Two obsession and all that kind of stuff. And I kind of cringe to go back to it, and I can't. I think it is. You can still get hold of it if you want it, but it was published as an ebook. 
But the thing since then, really, that's particularly taken off, and I've, you know, I wrote uh, writing that sitcom was my, was my version of your book, which mm. is a, a kind of an A to Z, beginning to end kind of process, um, which has changed a little bit. And my video course um, follows some of that, but is slightly different. But I guess the reality is that here we are in 2021, and you will probably make more money publishing a book yourself if you have expertise or something to do or something to sell that people actually want than you would if you traditionally published it. So this novel, for instance, you know, you don't get advances for novels now. You've got to write the whole thing anyway. And even if you did sign up with a, um, uh, an established publisher, they're not giving you, you know, maybe a thousand uh, advance. So I, I don't know how the, not the novel market works at the moment, but it's not a lot of money. Yeah. And then every, every copy that you then sell via Amazon or whatever, you're, you're, you're going to need to sell five, six, seven thousand copies before they owe you more than a thousand pounds that they've already paid you. Whereas if you're publishing it yourself, the, the, the numbers are really different, aren't they? Oh, Do you want to say a bit about that? Yeah, I will. I mean, I have, I, 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 it is a bit of a myth. Um, you know, we do talk about, you know, make your own thing. You can do it yourself. Uh, you, you, don't, you don't need, you can do it for free or whatever. Um, realistically, you, if you want to get a proper job done, really, you can't do it for free. And I mean, I have spent in the end and I was I had uh, put some money away in the way like uh, when we had them um, Peter C Haywood on a, a couple of episodes ago talking mm. about making his radio show and he said you know it was like either get a new laptop or make a radio show and I've kind of gone a little bit down that route I've, I've mm. got a, a little bit of a budget I I I, hi, I uh, got two different editors because you do need different editors for different stages in the book i got after i'd written about my third draft i got an over an editor with an overall view doing the sort of job that james and i do uh when we tear into your 10 page challenges and yeah. uh, you know i got the most it was the most sobering uh, uh notes that i got back from yeah. this guy who's a great he's a great uh, editor and he's edited books by comedy writers who recommended him so you know i i i wasn't going to uh, argue with his pedigree at all yeah. so you uh, hired you hired him as a one off fee yeah. for a read and some notes yeah, can I, you just say so we'll, we'll talk about go back to the budget in a second but can you just say are there any one or two headlines that you or people like you make when writing a novel? Was it just the moment he gave you these notes, were you just like, oh, yes, yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Was there any, any epiphanies to share? <laughs> well, the big thing that he said, he said, the biggest problem I have with this book, he said, is there's, uh, uh, there's a phrase you might have heard of, he said, and the phrase is, show, don't tell. And I just, and I looked at his notes, and I thought, oh, God, you know, this is what I say every new writer you know, mm. I say to all of you, if you've ever sent me a script or mm. we say it so much on here, you know, yeah, the show don't tell. And it, it's sort of slightly blurred in comedy because, you know, you do do a bit of telling in comedy. You know, if you want a, a, a man to fall on a banana skin, uh, you know, you want to sh you will show the banana skin. You're going to do the opposite. You will actually tell tell and show. Mm. Um, uh, but generally when people are talking you know like uh let, say somebody comes into the room and you say how, how are you feeling today uh and um 
some, the, the person has written, I'm feeling really terrible. You know, this happened and that happened. They don't say that. They say, in comedy, they say, yes, I'm feeling fine, thank you. you know? Yes, couldn't and, be better, uh, yeah, thanks, cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's, that's showing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, yeah, that was the first, that was just like the first kind of it was a real light bulb moment and, and it, in every sense of the word I kind of been thinking of this process a little bit like I am like a new person starting out now obviously I do have some advantages you know I can get nice quotes on the cover from quite well-known people um mm. and I can get you know I, I can um I, I I've hopefully my kind of writing experience is enough that I can you know kind of progress uh with yeah. with the writing side of it a bit more and uh but um generally as far as the world of novel publishing is concerned I am an absolute nobody and I think that is that and show don't tell are the kind of two big things mm. and it's as much an experiment for me in terms of you know kind of talking to people out to to, to, to people out there now you know you starting out on your comedy writing career I am I am seeing what it's like starting out on the novel writing uh career mm. yeah um, so um yeah. so you you set aside a budget let's go back to the budget you said yeah. you say you've paid some money to for a bit of editing yeah uh or for some notes some proofreading yeah so basically i spent about 1200 quid okay so i spent yeah. 400 quid on the first editor and then uh when i'd after i'd done taken his notes on board and did another couple of rewrites. Uh, I then got a, a, an editor who, you know, kind of taught me how to use commas and also <laughs> made made my clunky sentences look a bit better. So, you know, she, she did a really good sort of dive into the the, the, the text, really, yeah. uh, and proofreading and stuff like that as yeah. well. So that's all part of that. And then the thing that I thought I wouldn't have to spend a lot of money on, but everybody finally said, you've got to, you've got to have a good cover. You've got to get a good cover. Mm. Um, and because you uh, can judge a book by its cover, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not just as well. I mean, people talk about, you know, when you go into a bookshop and a cover stands out, but you kind of have to multiply that by a thousand when you're online. Cause most of in, initially I would say all my sales will be online. And so when you, uh, when, when, uh, if your book looks a certain way, yeah. it, it's, it might end up being in the wrong category and people might not find it. You know, if you go, yeah. if you go onto Amazon, if you want, if you want to buy, um, a, 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 like a romantic comedy book, go and have a look in Amazon and you'll see that all the covers look really similar. If you want to buy a, um, a, a thriller, all the covers they have the same they they they, they all mm. have a kind of look and it's it's to do with the algorithms and it is a, it's really important if you write a dark thriller uh and you've got sort of funny writing and a, and a little cartoon on it um you'll you just won't sell any copies because mm. it'll just not appear anywhere people who bought this book also bought you know mm. they're not going to yeah. show a cover like your cover so yeah 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 so just yeah that that kind of genre stuff is really important and so it's worth but all this information is available it's all out there yeah i mean i know that because we, we had a really startling guest on our show joanna penn yeah. who has her own um podcast and i know that you've been a lot very helped by by her work i mean to some extent this woman's a machine i mean she's absolutely mm. incredible um and so you know she's making big big money doing all of this and yeah. i think for her it's it's a really 
fully immersive game that she's in of writing and publishing her own novels. Um, but but, yeah, but, but, the, but it's but anyone can do it. Anyone can do it on their own terms, on their you know, on their own scale. Mm. But she's also, and I think we're you know, uh, another thing that I feel that I've learned from her, uh, and, and in a sense we've been doing it anyway, is you know she just puts loads and loads of stuff out there. You can learn it mm. all for free, and hopefully you know you can learn most about wanting to be a comedy writer uh, for free from from from. Me and James in our yeah. either on this show or through various other forms, but obviously sometimes we have to kind of you know feed our families as well. So there are kind of other other things you pay a bit more for. But you know, yes. the Joanna Penn and uh, there's basically Joanna Penn. These three kind of British uh, people. Well, there's Orna Ross, who's an Irish woman who runs a thing called the Alliance of Independent Authors. Uh, a guy called Mark Dawson, who's a, a massively massively successful self published thriller writer written eight million books and sold zillion copies whatever mm. and uh he is the absolute expert on facebook adverts but he does a weekly podcast joanna does a weekly podcast orna does lots of podcasts with the alliance of, of, of authors and really just for those three just from those three people if you listen to their shows you can learn how to publish your book and that doesn't just mean write it and put it out there. It means write it, put it out there, sell it, and hopefully make enough money in the next year to allow you to write another book. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? It's achievable yeah. goals. It's all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, it's easy to be... Uh, I just uh, added a, a video to the video course I do about making your own stuff, and we've talked about that uh, with, with others on a, on a previous episode. Um, but it's really easy to sort of look enviously at these people making lots of money through writing lots of books and just thinking, blimey, how hard can it be? I can do that. But okay, but you just want to be, some of these people are publishing four books a year. Mm. And firstly, you don't know their family situation. And mm -hmm. it may be that they, they, they spend 18 hours a day working and that's not what you want to do. Yeah. But also it's like, you know, maybe you just want to write a book every two years, but you just want to give that book the best chance it has of actually making you some money and allowing you to... Because once you've got four or five books going, then you've got a body of work and mm. these things do have a cumulative effect. But I think we sometimes sort of look hungrily over at, at, at other people doing, making lots of money doing something that we think that we can do. Um, and actually, you just need to be honest with yourself about what kind of writing do you want to do? Yeah. And therefore, what can you learn from these people to help you do that kind of writing rather than to be like them? And they don't want you to be like them. Um, you know, they they get it too. But it just often sounds like, you know, there's gold in them, there are hills, as long as you can produce a novel every every three months. Uh, there, there, is is a, there is an element of that at, at, at its worst level and i mean there are people hmm. there are literally people who bring out a you know a book a month or even two books a month you know there are people out there with a thousand books to their name and, and you just sort of it just boggles the mind really but but yeah. um what what uh, to, to go back to what you were saying there i mean it did as I say, 2017, and I would say, is a sort of official starting point. But I did spend most of my spare time in 2019 actually writing this book. And it was, I was learning 
how to write a novel and it was and it really was a kind of it was a new it wasn't un, it was unlike any other kind of learning I've done like doing sitcom and then trying to do a drama or, or screenplay or you know doing one-liners and trying to do a uh, topical or something you know it really was a kind of completely different discipline and process and I did I, 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 I wish I had started 10 years earlier mm. but you know and we can go. be sniffy about being prolific. Yeah. Let's just remind ourselves, one of the greatest authors of all time is Enid Blyton. And she has 762 books to her name. Blimey. Um, so, you know, in, in, 19, in 1940, she wrote 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. She wrote about 15 books in 1940 when there was a war on. Um, and, you know, she, she was writing multiple. I know there are children's books. There were shorter. But... You know, so, so we don't need to be judgmental, sniffy about about being prolific. Mm. But equally, if that's not you and you want to produ produce something that's much more authored, less genre, and that's all fine, you can go out there and find out how to make the most yeah. uh, of of the stuff that you've done. So that's what you're going to do, Dave. Yeah, um, you, the, right. the book is when the book drops. When uh, it's oh, has out it already dropped on the eighth of June. Okay. Uh, so e dropping very very soon people yeah. can find it where uh well you can find out about it on my uh that my website uh david j cohen comms yes i had to change my name david j cohen that's but that's for that um and that's my uh website for the book also i've got a, a facebook page david j cohen and uh um, david j cohen for on twitter and i'll be tweeting and facebooking the hell out of it i'm sure uh yeah. all that all from that week and then onwards i'm not going to stop uh that's where my marketing just begins then yeah and again i think as writers our instinct is always to write it get it out there and move on to the next thing and although producing a body of work is something that you want to be making sure that you're working on uh the instinct for content is not more content you actually have to spend half the time promoting what you've already written yeah. Um, and that is not that doesn't come naturally mm. to a lot of writers, I think. But that's also an important message because mm. we do talk about DIY, doing it yourself, make it yourself, whatever it is you're making, radio pilot or a two minute sketch on YouTube, whatever. Think don't, don't just think about it as as a, a, a work. You know, once mm. you've made it, that's the half. That's the first half. And then you've got to yeah. use it and market it and, 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 and use it to build your career. That's the second yeah. half. So um, we will uh, dig into books next time, actually, because I've got a book out too, but it's very different from Dave's. So we'll talk about that <laughs> next time. But we're just going to move on uh, to our second thing to talk about plotting and series arcs. And I've been running a, a webinar on this sort of thing. And it's the question that you get all the time uh, now. And it feels like uh, that the series arc is a new thing because we've got lots of binge watching going on. And um, there's lots of box, you know, there, there was the box set, the DVD box set um, as early as the 90s. Um, but then streaming services and binge watching um, yeah. and the idea that now somebody would watch every episode and that they are hungry uh, for a big overarching story has kind of entered the consciousness. And of course, that's true. Uh, but I think my, I've got a couple of points really to make and then Dave do jump in on that. I read a couple of blog posts on this uh, last mm -hmm. month uh, in May if you want to go back and have a look at uh, sitcomgeek.blogspot.com. But the first point to make is that we've, we've, we've actually had sitcoms with a long-running story for quite a while. An example would be, uh, would be Bread, which was almost like a soap opera. 
there was only fools and horses had quite a big story arc and that's what happens if you have a long-running show where people grow up have kids get married move on get old actors die you have to replace them actors leave um the the times that we live in change as well so the dell boy of series one is not quite similar it doesn't present similarly to the dell boy of series five because you've got this kind of yuppie thatcherite dell boy coming in away from the flat cat market trader kind of uh one yeah um and so, just, uh, just to mention as well, you also, you've got the uh, ducking and diving, you know, kind of uh, Jack the Lad kind of character from those early series. Mm. Uh, he becomes quite a sort of sensitive family man, you know, by the end mm. of it. Yeah, so, so you do grow up with these characters. And of course, mm. these are all nice problems to have in your seventh series. <laughs> um, and if that's you, then, well, you're not listening to this podcast, so uh, you don't need our advice. Uh, but we are available for hire. <laughs> <clears throat> so I just like to, you know, do do please get in touch. Um, but I think my point is overall, I think people over worry about series arcs. And we occasionally do read scripts where um, th- the story is not resolved. And we are told, oh, this all result or they start the next story and you have these cliffhangers and you think, well, that's that's drama and that's fine. And you do you do get long running stories in drama. But actually, in comedy, sitcom, comedy, drama, you do sort of need a bit of a story of the week. And I think to give yourself a long-running series arc, um, you're giving the audience a lot of work to do. They have to follow a lot. You're creating suspense and uncertainty. And that's always going to make your script less funny. Because as we know, say it all with me now, um, confusion is the enemy of comedy. So if you're trying to confuse your audience and give them misinformation like a murder mystery, then they're going to have a hard time laughing at the jokes because they're going to be worried that they've missed um, they've missed some important information. And actually, sometimes they can't laugh at the jokes because you haven't given them all the information. Um, so I think, in general, I would say, um, don't do it. Uh, you don't. You won't believe me, and you're you're going to do it anyway. But I would say, seriously consider not having a series arc maybe have a, a finale in your mind for where it could go and we'll get onto that in a minute but um overall we, we've got into the situation now where we've got this essentially three-hour movie that people are writing a six-part three-hour movie yeah the, the big example which i mentioned being the wrong man's and i didn't like the wrong man's um i don't think it was very good um, I love James Corden and Matthew Bainton. I love the idea of it, and I think it would have been a great movie. But they thought, hey, how about we turn a, a movie genre into a sitcom? To which you go, uh, okay. Um, and it, was just a, it just felt less than the sum total of the parts, even though it was perfectly watchable. But also, <clears throat> if I may say, James Corden and Matthew Bainton get to make decisions that we don't get to do. Uh, when we're writing our spec scripts, so you also want to bear that in mind as well. Do you want? And I've, so I do have a way forward for this because you're not going to believe me. But Dave, before I get there, do you have any comments on what I've set up until now? Yes, I do, and I think it's uh, I I, um, I I hear what you're saying, <laughs> and I concur to a certain extent. But I've started to find, and uh, just just as a that as a little guide and a little help. Um, the, the sort of the corollary of that of often when I read a script and nothing happens and that that 
that there, there may well be a story of the week, but it's it's kind of making that story of the week uh, work, um, and that 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 is of itself is a, is a is a big thing to have to do, and that, and I can see why you know that that's a good thing to concentrate on. But I do I have started to find now, and I you know I do this run this course where I uh, get sixteen people, and, and we do like an eight week uh, course where we start from. Uh, I've got an idea and by at the end of eight weeks we've written the first draft and one of the ways that I find that's a useful thing and I've only really started doing this since about the third course um, is in at the very early stages I say I don't want detail here but I want a very very rough idea from you where is your character where are you at the start of episode one where are your characters at the start of episode one and where do you think they are likely to be at the end of episode six and really all I'm looking for are sort of four like a minimum of sort of four big four big points so that's the starting point Mm-hmm. and then a finishing point and then a kind of very rough sense of two little points along the way so mm-hmm. effectively whether or not you decide to have a, a a series arc you have so episode one and two slash three then then episode four slash five and episode six so you don't necessarily know what's going to happen but you it just helps i find to give make sure that your character at least uh, uh, you know that, that at least that there is some sort of forward movement mm-hmm. that helps to push the story even if it's not and it, it doesn't have to be like a massive thing it's mm. just a kind of because ideally when you start your sitcom something big starts at the beginning that's going to have consequences and i mean it just could be newlyweds let's say Mm. that's your episode one the wedding you know then you don't have to then know oh well after three months they have the you know all you need to know is okay well where are they after a year of marriage say so and and that just will help you when you're kind of working out which episode you want to write for instance and also you know it just to give you little snapshots along the way Hmm. I think that's really helpful. And in a way, I think it, it almost makes my point for me. Uh, it doesn't quite. But the extra point there, though, which is really helpful is that your character does need a long term goal. They need this sort of uber goal that they're aiming towards. And at the end of the series, we want to think that they're slightly closer to it, or at least realize that what they wanted isn't quite what they thought and they've moderated it and again to something else that they're not going to get necessarily Hmm. but if but uh, anything which gives your character a forward focus uh, i think is great so thinking about episode six when you're writing episode one I, i i think is a good idea um but i think what we sometimes end up with is just a series of unresolved plots um and i think the other point i'm go on to make um in the second blog post in that series, uh, plotting my sitcom, how do I handle a series arc? I talk about that you, the script that you're writing is also meant to be getting you work and showing what you can do. And it may be that you want to write a densely plotted half hour, um, which isn't going to make any sense on its own. And that's completely fine. If you want to do that, you, sh- you do that. That's fine. 
the downside of that is that script's not going to make you look good as a writer or get you work or show that you can handle story in a particular way. Um, and so you, and so I think just creating a sitcom with a beginning and a middle and end within one episode, I think is worthwhile, but there are a couple of ways I would say that, that you can kind of sneak your story arc in if, you know, we have this ending in mind. The first one is to say, have some C plots that slowly become B plots and A plots. So, for example, you set up your character and your situation. But in episode one, they get a few letters that are slightly troubling to them. We don't quite know what they are. They get shredded or hidden or something like that. And you can maybe leave that unresolved as long as the main business, the main plot and the subplot have a beginning and a middle and an end. And then you know, those letters can turn into a visit from somebody or a phone call uh, at, at the wrong moment. And that this is kind of a secret they're trying to keep away. Um, and then that can become the main plot in episode four or five. And then everything, and then the can of worms is open, all is revealed in episode six. And suddenly uh, you've, you've got everything out in the open and it has to be managed in a particular way. A family secret has finally uh, come out. So I think that's kind of one way of of doing it um would you say that can can you think see that one working yeah and i i i agree and I, actually that's what what's happening this time around as well with this uh sitcom course is i'm i'm doing uh i'm writing one i thought this is the fourth one i've done in a year and i thought and i i've got now i've got the novel out of the way and i've got an idea for another novel but i thought i've got two months i could write my sitcom and i could mm. do it in conjunction you're telling, in fact, you're, you're telling got, everyone, yes you're telling everyone else to do it in eight yeah. weeks so <laughs> and yeah, i've got go I've on got then. A, i've got a couple of the people who are doing the course and have done it before they are going to uh look at what i've written and they're going to get back to me so that's going to be really interesting but uh the two, two two things to follow up from what you said there and a little bit from what i was saying the the result of that thinking of that of where roughly it's being at the end i still haven't got an idea where i am at the end but what it's made me do is think about who are the other i've got a main character so who are the other characters and once i start to think well this is going to be x character they're going to have to be here 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 and here and as soon as you start to see that you've got the same characters then you are doing what you're sort of saying which is you're drawing it into you're making sure that you have like self-contained episodes because you've got these same people each time um and, and you know you don't really want to bring in uh extraneous uh people mm. so that that's um the, the the first thing and actually the second thing coincidentally i had a i had an idea which i was very very pleased with for a little plot idea which i just thought and it's a tiny little thing it's just a really small issue i won't go into this point but it, it's basically it will be a, like a three-line gag in episode one, mm. but then it'll be like a kind of bigger thing in episode two, and then I'm assuming it's just like a four-episode radio mm. sitcom or thing. And actually, then by episode three, it's going to be like a huge yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, you know, it's going to be the main plot in episode yeah. three. The weed is growing, and it's yeah. going to become avo unavoidable. The the elephant is is growing in the room you know yeah so yeah. i'm i'm sort of quite excited by that but i can see yeah you can do that and you can still be self-contained and i think about the last sitcom that i worked on really uh god 
uh, not going out, uh, which you know I haven't worked on for about sort of three years now. Um, but that's that's a great example of a show that you know it's the same. It was that the whole time that I was writing for it, which was between about episode uh, series three and series nine, I think. So I wrote about so you know about sort of five or six series of it, and um, you know it was the same. The same thing happened every every series you know same mm. thing happened every episode Lee tries to get off with uh, Lucy mm. fails um, you get a little the, the, the final episode of each series would have a kind of will they won't they uh, yeah. element to it mm. you know and it would it would just sort of increase it ever so slightly a notch up from the previous mm. season until finally you know nine series in I think they could not keep them apart any longer and that was which they did and then that was the end of it and then it came back to three years later and suddenly they've got it's a family sitcom with three kids which I've not been writing on but there you go mm. um, but yeah. I've, what I've seen of that you know that doesn't change. That's the same no. every week. And and it's yeah. a great sitcom and people love it. And people mm. always, you know, uh, it, 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 it's, it's funny. You know? And people like it because they know what they're getting. They, Lee yeah. Mack is an incredibly funny man with a great team of writers, especially the previous series. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. and, um, <laughs> and so not every, you don't want Line of Duty all the time. You don't want this yeah. sort of traumatic, breaking bad Game of Thrones plotting. Sometimes you just want... You know, you don't want a, uh, you don't want a series of Scotch uh, whiskies. You know, single malt. Sometimes you just want a can of Coke, uh, and actually, you know that that repeatable, guaranteed hit, that pleasure that you get from a familiar show. Uh, is is really not to be sneezed at. So and that's I, the first method. Go on, Dave. Go on. I was going to say as well, not only that, but you did also get uh, some great uh, actual um, moments, sort of in the way that you had with Miranda, with, with her mum, you know, when mm. Lee, Lee and his dad, you know, when uh, the late, um, I was going to say Bobby Ball, but... Uh, was it Bobby? Yeah. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, who's an absolutely brilliant actor. Um, mm. And it was a fantastic part. And But, you know, and, and great slapstick and humour with, with the two of them, but also some really kind of moving stuff with him as well. Yeah. You know, almost it's kind of a, like, like watching Frasier almost, you know, but it was still, yeah. uh, you know, a self-contained story every week. And as you say that, though, I, mean, I think people say, oh, the poignant moments, oh, they're so good, they're such good writing. I have to say, I think they're quite easy. Um, and I think both poignancy and plot, uh, as in overarching story, I think they're actually quite easy because you can sort of do anything. Um, it, so in a way, I, I think people are often series arcing stuff and adding poignancy and stuff because there's an element of getting away from the bit that's really hard, which is it's the same show every week to some extent. Um, and I think that is, um, and there's nothing, if you want to write story and I say this in the blog, that's great. Write a movie. I think movies are really hard to write as well because you need an absolutely perfect story, um, as well as the characters. So I'm not, I'm not disparaging, you know, saying, Oh, you know, sitcom is the pinnacle of the hardest bit of writing. But in a way, I think sometimes people focus on these other parts of sitcom writing because the, the engine room of a sitcom is just really, really hard to get right. Um, but the other way I was going to suggest that you can handle a series art is by breaking it down. And 
Uh, it's called telescoping when it comes to computer games. And the example is, is I use is in a computer game, you've got to kill the dragon, the end of level dragon. But you need to get the enchanted knife, which is guarded by the evil witch, who can be defeated by the amulet of light, which can be found in the mountains of despair, which can only be navigated using the map of destiny. So you have to go and get the map of destiny, episode one, so that you can get to the mountains of despair and get the amulet of light. That's episode two. So that you can then, you know, defeat the evil witch. That's number three. You know, and so, so there's like a clear quest in each episode which is part of an overarching quest i haven't seen loads of the mandalorian but i think that's probably the prime example of this kind of plotting where it is a long story but Mm. each episode is sort of like a mini adventure within that story and it's contributing to a longer story um so but it does but, but just bring it down to the real world you know if your character is running for mayor then there are a series of things they have to do along the line to become mayor you know, like, uh, uh, get 50 signatures. Okay, that's episode one. You need 50 signatures in order to stand as mayor. Episode two, you there are local hustings. Okay, they've never spoken in public before. Right, episode two, give a speech. We've got a big event at the end of that episode. Episode three, celebrity endorsement or local chamber of commerce endorsement or something like that. Okay, so episode four, door knocking, leafleting. So you've, by the time you get to getting to the election on episode six is not that hard. It is a long running story, but each episode is just like a self-contained unit within that. Uh, it's the story within the story. So that and, and actually you can you can veer off from that big overarching story and end episode six somewhere completely different. But you get that sense of where the story is going so everyone can relax and enjoy what they're watching rather than just thinking, I have no idea how this is going to turn out. And I think sometimes I read scripts where the first 10 pages, they're, they're interesting, maybe good characters, a few good jokes. You just think, I don't really know where this is headed and I'm not enjoying that suspense. It's actually getting in the way. So I would like to know that this is heading towards a thing in 72 hours time and i'm very happy to be told on page 20 that that thing's now not happening but something else is happening but the stakes or the jeopardy are the same but heightened um it's going to end up meeting the mayor um to go back to the mayor example but actually you then go oh it's actually the queen oh wow okay so this is like suddenly it's you know so anyway we we kind of get into all that in, the, in plot mechanics but but that would be my other way of going about it is just to break break the uber quest down into little mini quests that all contribute they're all rungs in a ladder they're all links in a chain to a to a bigger thing um even if the chain turns out to be attached to something completely different um and that that's fine and we'll, we'll enjoy that when we get there in episode six or 10 or 12 or 25 or wherever you are i think uh that's that's a really good uh, fantastic kind of uh Way, way of looking at it and uh, just the last thing that i would say uh with with, with regard to that and talking about this eight week course that i do because it's only eight weeks so week one and week two we talk about the idea week three we talk about character and week four we talk about stories but what tends to happen around when you're creating a character um it's it's hard to create new characters 
without thinking about what the stories are. So you want to get to the position, I think, where before you're plotting, you're doing your your, your plotting uh, arcs, you kind of know enough about the characters. You're, you're, you start to think about stories based on knowing what the characters' goals are and, and not just the... I want to be mayor, but also, you know, maybe I'm uh, I'm an introvert and I want to cure my fear of, uh, of of being out in public. So, so it's so it's like an internal thing as well as the external. So, so there's a subplot that week of, yeah, when he's sort of trying to get fifty signatures or whatever, or she's trying to get hmm. fifty signatures, where they go on an assertiveness training class or something, or yeah. just, so so it beca- that that's. That the, the time that you need to be thinking about that, those what those stories are, is when you are creating the characters. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's through that that you're, you know, it's as I said before, it's like a test bake. Uh, you're kind of get you're trying to get the recipe right, um, and you're adding the ingredients. You, you you bake a batch. You come back and just go, are these any good? And you go, oh, actually, the recipe's not quite right. So you do need to get the recipe right, and that's what. That's what testing these, that's what using stories to find your characters is actually going to give you. And then by the time you're actually writing a document which is saying sample plot lines from the series include, you've got 15, you know, to choose from. Mm. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got 30 bad ones, you've got 15 good ones, you've got six brilliant ones um, that really show what, you know, what your sitcom is, but also what you can do as a writer that you know how to, um, to deliver story and character together with jokes uh in a way that people are actually going to like that's the plan anyway um <laughs> if you want to know more about that uh then obviously there's my uh, video course writing your sitcom uh which is a a sort of a, a 12 lesson self-paced course so you know you get access to it for a year and so it may be that this is something you want to do gradually that's completely fine dave offers the hot house eight week approach. Uh, how do people sign up for that, Dave? Yeah, well, actually, I'm just starting to sign up for. I've got a f- few uh, people on the waiting list, but I will be signing up for the next one, which is going to start either in September or October uh, this right. year. Probably September, I think. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, if you uh, go to my website, davecohen.org.uk, uh, you can find out more uh, there. Yeah. So go there. Is there a link there to your book website as well? Uh, there should be. Uh, okay, great. Click there around. Will be by the time this goes out. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, that's cool. So yeah. that's that's all you need to know for Dave's thing. That that blog stuff that I've been talking about is uh, at my blogs, uh, which is sitcomgeek.blogspot.com. Uh, and also, just one, one other thing as well. This is the sort of uh, subject that we, we uh, look at in depth. We do a kind of monthly workshop now for mm. uh, Patreons at the sort of higher level uh, Patreon um, is where we kind of spend like a couple of hours sort of digging very deep into one subject and getting you to do a bit of practical work as well. So yeah. if you want to sign up for, for them, we'll be doing a, um, yeah. one. They're usually kind of the last uh, last week of the month. Um, so uh, go to yeah. our Patreon site, Sitcom Geeks. Uh, Patreon slash Sitcom Geeks, I think, is the Something is like the that. If you, if you Google Patreon and Sitcom Geeks, I'd be surprised if you found anyone <laughs> other than us. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's a live session with both of us. We're on a Zoom call with you, um, and you can ask us questions about that and all that kind of business. But just join us on Patreon if you like the show, support the show. Join us on Patreon, and you, get, you, you also get access to an extra episode a month, which is essentially a, a Q&A, which you can be part of too. So, 
join in. There's a Facebook group as well for that. Um, but lots, lots going on. We want to help you write better sitcom scripts. That's pretty much it, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, that's right. That's what we're here for. Indeed. So uh, we will sign off. Uh, that was uh, episode 160-something. Seven. Uh, 167 it was. Yep. Uh, thanks very much, Dave. Thank you very much, James. See you and soon. And we'll speak to you next time. Cheerio. Bye.